Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 32 called The Blessing of Forgiveness. I love David's honesty, and I love the honesty of the Bible. And I think this is something that if you're newer to the Bible or you've been around for a while, that you should at least remind yourself of. The Bible is very honest about its heroes. Amen? It doesn't cover up. It doesn't just tell you the story of David and Goliath. Or, or just the story when David refused to kill God's anointed, when he could have killed Saul. It also tells you the ugliness of a chapter in David's life when he blew it. And David is not defined by that, nor do you need to be defined by your mistakes. However, the Bible at the same time doesn't cover it up. It's exposed. It's here, and it's here for us to learn. Remember, the psalm is one of wisdom and instruction. One thing that sin does is sin hurts us. It's a weight. So David speaks of the blessing of those whose transgression is forgiven. Notice the second part, whose sin is covered, verse 1. The word covered is kasah in Hebrew. And it's the basic idea of kafar in Hebrew, which is the word for atonement. Uh, Israel had a national day of atonement. They still practice that day, not like they did back in the day when they had a temple and sacrifice and all of that. But they had a day of atonement. Kafar literally means to cover. And so there's two words in Hebrew and they're, they're used in Greek as well that where God describes what he does with our sin. And he, he forgives our sin. The word forgive means literally to send it away. And it's captured in this idea of atonement language where Remember on the Day of Atonement, the, they would have the two goats and they would cast lots. One goat would be slaughtered outside the temple and one goat, they would, the high priest would confess the sins of the nation on the head of that goat and that goat would be sent away. And this is a picture both in Hebrew and Greek. The sending away of the sin now on the scapegoat, transferred, if you will, at least symbolically, from the nation or the high priest to the goat. And the scapegoat then goes away into the wilderness where it cannot be seen anymore. And this is what God has done with our sin. He has sent it away. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us, praise the Lord, he is no longer counting our sin against us because we have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. How blessed are we? Because sin is a weight, sin is heaviness. And to have your sin sent away, forgive, and to have your sin covered means that it's no longer exposed to the judgment eye of God. That's the idea of the word here. It's covered. And our sin has been covered by the blood of Christ, indeed cleansed and sent away. This is all imagery to show you what God has done. Your sin is no longer exposed. It's under the blood. Everybody with me? Christ has paid that price. As we look at the great, uh, one of the great servant songs of uh, Isaiah 53, you don't have to turn there, you, you get the imagery that the Messiah, the servant of Yahweh, he serves by carrying our sin, by bearing the weight of it. 
Uh, I had an old t-shirt back in the day when I first became a Christian, and it said the Lord's gym on it. And it showed Jesus, depicted him with these bulging muscles, and he's like under the weight of the cross, the Lord's gym. And it, it was meant to say the Lord's the one who took the weight, bore the burden of my sin, took the weight. You know, sin is heavy on us, isn't it? And, and that's what David is going to describe here, the heaviness of his sin. And then it being taken off his shoulders by the goodness of God. Now, these themes are picked up in Romans chapter 4. If you hold your place in Psalm 32, go to Romans, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans chapter 4. This is a great chapter about how grace comes into our lives. We'll pick it up at verse 3, Romans 4. Verse 3 says, What does the Scripture say? Romans 4, 3. What does the Bible say? Abraham believed God, quoting from Genesis, and it was credited to him, his belief was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor or a gift, but it is what is due. Paul is simply saying, if I hired you for $15 an hour to work in my backyard, and I said, pull weeds for the next uh, 10 hours, and I'll pay you 15 bucks an hour. At the end of the day, if you did your job and, I, and you say, I want my 150, I shouldn't say to you, oh, you should be very grateful that I'm giving you this gift of $150. <laughs> your response would be, no, I pulled weeds for 10 hours in a previously agreed upon contract, if you will. You owe me the money. Okay, that's one thing. But grace says, God doesn't give us grace by what we do or how we work as a, uh, as a work-do bill, if you will. God gives it to us by grace. The one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. But to the one, verse 5, Romans 4, who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. I want you to see how New Testament writers will often pick up like a psalm or a passage in Isaiah. Just as David also speaks of the blessing, now from Psalm 32, on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Quoting directly from what we just read. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Now, those of you who have studied through the majestic book of Romans know that it's probably the most in-depth, back to Psalm 32, if you will, it's the most in-depth treatise of what the gospel actually is and how one is saved. And it teaches a concept of imputed righteousness. Let me explain. When you believe in what God has done through the Lord Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, what God does is he credits your belief, he credits your account with justification or the righteousness of Jesus is credited to you. And the great exchange of the cross, theologians would describe it this way. When Jesus died on the cross, my sin went on Jesus and his righteousness came into my account. It is literally an accounting term. So what God does is he accounts you he reckons you as righteous and you now possess the righteousness of Christ. Not that you're as righteous as him, but because God transferred that righteousness 
much in the same way as the scapegoat imagery or an animal that would die in sacrifice. Everybody understand? And so this is the idea here of Psalm 32. You can see that the same concepts are taught in the Old and New Testament about how one is forgiven. What did David do when Nathan came to him and said, you're the man? What did David do? Should I do 50 push-ups? Should I climb a mountain? What, What should I do? No, right there, David owned and confessed his sin. And right on the spot, what happened? He was forgiven. See, there's nothing that I can bring to God to deserve the forgiveness that he extends, the mercy that he gives. He just gives it because he's good. And this idea of a works-based righteousness gets us in trouble because we think we have to earn our way into God's favor. Now, we should live a righteous life, but not to earn salvation. We should live a righteous life because of salvation, right? We should live a righteous life as a thank you gift to God. Not that we can really give him a gift, so so to speak. But a thank you card, if you will, to say, Lord, thank you for being gracious to me because I don't deserve your grace, but you give it nonetheless. Now, that's uh, Psalm 32. You see this idea of, in verse 2, how blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute, that's our accounting term, iniquity, quoted in Romans 4, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When David sinned with Bathsheba, one thing that he did is he went into a cover-up, you remember? And he got Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, to come off the battlefield. And he figured if he can get the man, the husband, to sleep with her, and she he already knows that she's pregnant, then the pregnancy will not be any kind of scandal. But you remember what Uriah did? <laughs> he, he wouldn't be with her. And why not? Well, because he was a man of honor and he knew his fellow soldiers were on the battlefield. And so and David even tried to get him drunk and he still wouldn't do it. And so finally what David did, because he couldn't quite cover up his sin the way that he wanted to, is he sent Uriah back to the battlefield with a note. It was his own death warrant. And the note read something like this. Send him to the front where the battle is heavy and hot and retreat from him. David killed him. David stole his wife, tried to cover it up. And then when he couldn't do the cover up through the means that he had thought up, he had the guy killed. That's one of our great heroes of the Bible. Wow. And this tells us the reality of our humanity. No matter who you are, we all can fall into sin. And David describes the heaviness of that sin in Psalm 32, verse 3, when he says he moves from blessing now to the experience of what he went through when he was unrepentant or wouldn't own what he did. When I kept silent about my sin, Psalm 32, 3, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. And then we have that pause we've been learning about. Selah, that's the pause, meditate. 
We even said you could render that. Be still for a moment and just think about what you're hearing, what you're learning, what you're singing, right? The pregnant pause. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hey, I'm Rob Newton, the producer of Walk in Truth. Since we began on this journey of reaching out with God's truth to all people, we have grown to be on four radio stations in Southern California, Arizona, Idaho, and Utah, reaching people from all walks of life and faiths. Our program has also reached listeners in 49 countries. If you are a financial partner, thank you for recognizing the importance of Walk in Truth's presence on radio and podcast, and for praying for people's lives to be changed through hearing and responding to the messages aired each week. Through our partnership together, Walk in Truth has been able to carry God's message of hope to thousands of listeners who may be feeling stress, confusion, and hopelessness. Walk in Truth's total budget for radio airtime, promotion, equipment, supplies, and staffing is over $150,000 a year. Our goal has always been to become 100% listener-supported and to expand into more radio stations as God provides. Our current level of listener financial support is about 25%. Can you give a one-time tax-deductible donation today? Please visit walkintruth.com to donate online or get the mailing address. That's walkintruth.com. If you just tuned in, then you missed the first half of today's edition of Walk in Truth. That's okay. You can listen to this episode and many others whenever it's convenient for you on your free Living Truth app. Walk in Truth is also on your favorite podcast app. Simply search for and subscribe to Walk in Truth on apps like Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Player FM, Google Podcast, Stitcher, and many more. Listening to a podcast as well as radio is a great way to get some time in the Word when you're walking, catching up on some work, or if you're like me and just need to listen to some Bible teaching while getting ready in the morning. Remember, you can find Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. And then we have that pause we've been learning about, Selah. That's the pause, meditate. We even said you could render that, be still for a moment and just think about what you're hearing, what you're learning, what you're singing, right? The pregnant pause. David says, when I kept silent, when I didn't own my sin, when I didn't bring it into the light, and evidence is that he hid this for at least a year from the chronology of events and the birth of the child. He was in cover-up mode for a year. Can you imagine being a guy who wrote Psalms all the time, had this beautiful, intimate relationship with God, and now you sleep with this woman, you find out she's pregnant, and you're in full cover-up mode. And you can't have an honest relationship with God. How can you when God's heavy hand is pressing you? You see the language? Day and night. David couldn't get away from the reality that God loved him so much that God wasn't going to let him get away with it. And I have news for you. If you rebel against God as a Christian, if he loves you, and we know he does, what will he do? He'll start pressing on you. And the only way that you'll be able to get away from it is to try to suppress it like unbelievers do. Push it away, turn up the music and try to deny the reality of what's happening. But David said, it got so bad. I felt like my bones were wasting away. I felt unhealthy. I felt sick. I felt 
parched. I felt like I was in the fire. And that was because God was pressing him. Take a look at Psalm 38, just a few pages to your right. Look at the first four verses. Oh Lord, Psalm 38, one. Again, David writing in memorial. Rebuke me not in your wrath and chasten me not in your burning anger. For thine arrows have sunk deep into me. Psalm 38, two. Thy hand has pressed down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities are gone over my head. As a heavy burden, they weigh too much for me. You know, I've heard a lot of believers describe the moment of salvation as a moment that they felt like a weight was lifted off of their shoulders. And I, I believe that that's literally a sign of what happens when you get saved that God removes the weight and the burden of your sin. There's a psalm that says God daily bears our burdens. Jesus is our great burden bearer, amen? He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. Sin is a weight, and when we try to cover it up, it will be eventually exposed by God's disciplinary hand because he loves us. But once we give it to God, he covers it and sends it away. One of the words that we, we didn't pause on, but I'll just mention it to you. The word for sin in the Hebrew is kata. It's spelled C-H-A-T-A. In the Hebrew picture language, it's, it pictures a wall that you build around yourself. So get this. This is the actual image if you looked at the dictionary that I have. It shows a man, and he's got a trowel. He's got one of those little shovel things. And he's building a, like a block wall around himself. And he builds it brick by brick. This is what sin does. Every time you sin against God and you don't repent of it, and of course, Christians make mistakes, but we need to repent of sin. You add another block, another block, and then that wall eventually, here's the picture, becomes your prison. Isn't that an accurate description of sin? Sin is fun at the beginning. It's exciting at the beginning. But brick by brick, we build our own wall. We build our own prison around ourselves. This is the essential meaning of addiction. Addiction is essentially building your own prison. And then you live in it. And eventually you put so many bricks there, you can't even see anymore. You don't even have any air anymore. Your life is parched and broken and alone. That's not what you want to do. And you know what brings down the wall? It's really interesting because you start putting the language together and what makes the wall come down, get this, is humility. Humility knocks the wall down. If I come to the Lord and I humble myself before his mighty hand, he will be quick to forgive and quick to restore. In fact, he can do it in a moment of time, amen? He can restore you. He can knock the wall down that you created for years and years and years, but you've got to humble yourself under his mighty hand. Let me show you a little bit more from Psalm 38. Just to show you the, the idea of sin here. My wounds, 38.5, grow foul and fester because of my folly, Psalm 38.6. I am bent over and greatly bowed down. I go mourning all day long. My loins are filled with burning there's no soundness in my flesh. I am benumbed and badly crushed. I groan because of the agitation of my heart. Lord, all my desires before thee and my sighing is not hidden from thee. My heart throbs, my strength fails. The light of my eyes, even that has gone from me. 
My loved ones, 11. My friends stand aloof from my plague. My kinsmen stand afar off. Those who seek my life lay snares for me. Those who seek to injure me have threatened destruction. They devise treachery all day long. But I, like a deaf man, do not hear. I'm like a dumb man who does not open his mouth. Yes, I'm like a man who does not hear and in whose mouth are no arguments. For I hope in thee, O Lord, thou wilt answer, O Lord, my God. For I said, may they not rejoice over me who, when my foot slips, would magnify themselves against me. I'm ready to fall. My sorrow is continually before me. For I confess my iniquity and, my, and I am full of anxiety because of my sin. A heavy picture of sin's weight on the man or woman of God, back to Psalm 32. But we turn the corner to hope. And I want you to see now in verses five through seven, David will give us lessons or instructions about his experience and what we should do if we find ourselves in this kind of position. 32.5, I acknowledge my sin to thee, Psalm 32.5, and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, you got to make a decision. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And notice what happened. I confessed and thou did forgive the guilt of my sin. And then we have Selah, pause. I confessed and he said, you're forgiven. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. You've been listening to The Blessing of Forgiveness, Part 2 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 32. Remember, you can watch Pastor Michael's sermons and the full services with worship when you follow our YouTube channel. Michael Lance is the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship here in Corona, California. And we would love it if you can join us for a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning service. But if you live outside of the area of Southern California or you're unable to visit us, you can always watch Living Truth Christian Fellowship on our YouTube channel. The best way to find the videos is visit walkintruth.com and click on YouTube. Again, visit walkintruth.com and click on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, sometimes people have the question about forgiveness and they say, well, how do I know I am forgiven? You know, we are, when we walk by faith, we're, we're standing upon promises, declarations that God has made in his holy word. And one of them is the idea of what we call imputed righteousness. Let me explain. Way back in Genesis 15, and then Paul picks this up in the book of Romans chapter 4, and we can see it in other places, that once we receive Christ, we get the righteousness of Christ credited to our account, and our sin went to him at the cross. It's called the great exchange of the cross. Our sin went to Christ, the innocent, uh, uh, sinless lamb who died for us, and uh, his righteousness comes to us when we simply take God at his word and believe. And that is such a beautiful, powerful thing. And that's how you can know, because God has made the declaration that if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. But you might say, but what if I sin again? (laughs) Well, you're going to. Now, you shouldn't intentionally sin again, that more grace may abound, but you're gonna make mistakes. And this is where you need to know who you are positionally, that you are, have been credited with the righteousness of, uh, righteousness of Christ. You're in covenant with God. However, practically, when you sin, you still need to ask for forgiveness so that the fellowship with God can be close. Let me give a quick example. 
If you're married, you're in a marriage relationship covenant. If you make a mistake, say a crossword to your spouse. You're not not married anymore, but your fellowship or closeness can be hindered. That's where the asking of forgiveness comes in because you want that relationship to be close and restored. It's a fellowship thing rather than a position thing. I hope that makes sense. And that's the beauty of the gospel, that we're saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God so that no one can boast. If we're going to boast in anything, let's boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. Hey, this is Pastor Michael Lance, Walk in Truth. We're so excited to be bringing the truth of God's Word in this new year, 2021, to you and to all of those whom the Lord draws to this program. Hey, thanks for praying for us and partnering with us. You can find out more information about the program, what's going on with us, the church behind the program, when you go to walkintruth.com. Well, we're going to be jumping into the final part of Psalm 32 tomorrow. We'll catch you right here. One more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your financial gift helps us broadcast on radio, provide the podcast, and do free apologetic events. It's all part of our mission to equip you with the truth in the Bible and to help you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Please consider becoming a monthly partner, too, or give a one-time tax-deductible donation. Please visit walkintruth.com and click Donate. That's walkintruth.com. Or... You can write a check and mail your gift to Walk in Truth, P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. That's Walk in Truth, P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 32 called The Blessing of Forgiveness. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.